Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Every breath that we take, every moment that we're awake, Lord, have your way in us. This is our desire, Lord, in Jesus' name. Um, you know, this morning I'm going to start off by encouraging a number of us and I believe that if you're one of those that I'm going to encourage that you'll take hold of the word of God this morning and that's actually the introduction before the message so yeah it's another week it's another day it's another month it's actually a very very unique month a unique month in the year, a unique month in the calendar of us as Christians. Now, if you look at it, seven symbolizes perfection, it symbolizes completion, and it also symbolizes rest. Now, from scripture, we know that God created throughout the six days, and on the seventh day, the Bible says that he rested. So that marks for us a state of completion. Now, when you look at the rainbow, and this is something that I haven't actually taken note of before, but if you look at the rainbow, it has seven colors. And I found out through research that those seven colors stay in that same position as they are, as God's created it. You know, that was an indication, that was a promise that God made to us years and years ago. So, um, you know, that, 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 that um, rainbow that symbolizes a promise from God is a, is, a, is a sequence of colors that never, never change. And that's an indication that we have a God that never changes. His promises are forever sure. So um, I want to encourage us that, you know, this um, second half of the year, right, that we need to take hold of it. We need to regroup we need to regain you know the, the the first half of the year has has not been the has not been the best for a lot of reasons but you know we have a chance to make the second year second half of the year to make it count in our lives you know um, I'm not a footy I don't like football I don't watch football but one thing I know about playing football is when you get to half time half time you stop you rest you assess, you regroup, and you, you know, you, you're building more tactics so that at the end of the match, you know, the, you come up on top. And that is what I'm wanting us to do. You know, um, I want us to look back at 2020, not just to remember it for COVID, you know, but to remember it for a time where God has moved you forward in purpose, in destiny. You know, if I just recall back towards the end of last year, when we, you know, the Lord spoke to us and he said 2020 is going to be a year of clarity, a year of 2020 vision. And, you know, God took that, gave us that scripture from the book of Mark where, where Jesus took a blind man out of the city, went to heal his sight Initially, he said, what do you see? He says, I see men like trees. And then on the second touch, he says, I can now see clearly. For each one of us, I want us to be able to see clearly by the end of 2020. Because that's God's promise for us. You know, when you look at the cloud, there's always a silver lining in it. But it takes the trained eye to be able to see that silver lining. 
So I'm asking us, do we have that trained eye, the eye of seeing things through the eyes of God, through the Holy Spirit? You know, when you stand out at night and you look into the, star, into the sky, you see stars, right, on a clear night if it's not about to rain. But to each person on planet Earth, there is a star that is designated for that very person. So I ask us and I encourage us, I exalt us that this half of the year, we should make it count. We should fulfill purpose. You know, um, I'm reminded of Jesus when he went to a wedding with his mom and his disciples. You know, the Bible talks about the first miracle that God and uh, that Jesus performed. He was at a wedding and the wine had run out, right? And I don't think they'd even gone past, you know, maybe they've just started the reception. And his mother called him to the side and said, oh, Jesus, the wine's run out. And his first, you know, first, first saying, he said, oh, so what's that got to do? My time hasn't come, right? But his mother said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So he was, God, his mother was speaking to, to, the, to, the, to the hosts, was speaking to the, say, the hospitality team. And Jesus instructed them, he said, fill the jars, fill them to the brim with water and then draw out of it. And when they drew out of it and they took it to the host, uh, the, to the, to the host master and he tasted it, he said, this wine tastes a lot better than the wine that was served initially. I'm speaking to somebody this morning that you should let the latter part of 2020 be better than the than the former in the mighty name of Jesus. And I decree that in the life of someone this morning, as we start today's service, that someone's health, someone's relationship, someone's finances, someone's job, someone's business, this latter part of the year will be a lot better, will be a lot greater, will be a lot beneficial. You would have a testimony concerning this latter part of the year in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, there's so many of you that had wanted to do certain things, you know, from January to, to, to June, and that's not happened, but it's not over yet. We're just about to start the second half. And this second half, I can promise you, if you would hold on to God, the promises of God for you will come to pass at this later, in, in the later part of this year in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So that's just an introduction to today's message. Um, and I say that to say this is going to be a very wonderful month in Jesus' name. So, yeah, I encourage us, you know, if you got your Bibles with you, please read along with us. And I say this to say two things. One is the fact that through the pages of the word of God, God speaks to us. As you open up those pages, as you set your eyes on the pages of the scripture, God could give you a word. He could give you a scripture. He could give you a verse. He could, he could actually give you a whole chapter that speaks to you. But it's important that you read along with us. I mean, the second part is, you know, we're not all perfect. So there are times that we might end up giving you a wrong scripture, not knowingly. So it's important that when we read out scriptures, you read along with us. And, you know, pick out the scripture, pick out the verse and um, the, 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 
the translation that speaks better to you. Because I might read a scripture in a, in, in, a, in, in a version that you're not familiar with, but if you read it in your version that you're familiar with, it gives you clarity, it gives you understanding. So let's make sure that we're reading along in the name of Jesus. So um, there's nothing that I'm going to say today that, you know, probably hasn't been said before. But, you know, the Bible encourages us that we need to remind ourselves of what God has taught us through Christ Jesus. And that's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not just a one-time thing. It's something that we need to do every single time because a lot of times we hear the word of God and it resonates inside of us. We, you know, we take hold of it and we're passionate about it. But, you know, things happen, you know, we go to all the trials, challenges, and over time, if we're not renewing our mind with the word of God, what tends to happen is we forget, we forget. And, you know, this is not because we're slow learners, but it's because sometimes we forget too quickly. So it's important that, you know, we keep reminding ourselves of what God has taught us. So today I'm going to encourage us in how we can, be, we can fully enjoy the resources that God has given unto us. You know, God is not against us having resources. And it's nice, it's, you know, it's profitable for us to have resources. But what's more important and what's really, really, you know, beneficial is for us to be able to understand how to manage those resources. And that's why sometimes you find people who have made so much, you know, wealth, bought houses and cars and, you know, have had so many things that overnight they lose it because of mismanagement. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I can you open to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. And it says, it says, do not store up. Now, that word store up, I would ask if you can underline it, if you can color it in your Bible, please do so. Do not store up for yourselves. That's the other word to take note of. Yourselves, treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves, treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin Moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right, let's fast forward to um, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21. It's a bit of a long read, but bear with me. It says, verse 13, I'm going to start with that. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, and this is Jesus. Now, if we know, those of us that know, if you know your scriptures, Jesus came to teach, to preach, and to heal. So as many times as he had the opportunity, he kept on teaching. He was getting the word on the inside of people so that we will no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Jesus wanted each one that he taught to know the word for themselves. And that's why he kept on teaching and teaching and teaching. And someone asked him, he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, inheritance, that's a teaching for another day. Um, verse 14 says, Jesus replied, man, 
who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, he says, watch out, be on your guard against what? All kinds of greed. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why is that? He says, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, Brother Job, in the book of Job, puts it this way. He says, naked I came and naked I go. So no one came to this world with anything. And when we go, we will go with nothing. Now, when people die and, you know, they wrap them with clothes or put outfits on them, it's just to cover their dignity. There's nothing else. I know there's some cultures where they put money and put all sorts of things inside the coffin. It only goes to, to rot. So naked I came, naked I, I'll go. And that is basically the truth of the matter. Um, I'm going to read on. Verse 16 says, And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, Hmm, I know what I'll do. This is what I'll do. I will tear down the burns and build a bigger and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, I'm going to ask us this question. How many of us have treasures laid up in the lofts, in our garages, in our sheds, underneath the bed, in trunk boxes that we've even forgotten about? That's a question for us to ask ourselves. Verse 20 reads, he says, but God said to him, this is the sad part of it. He says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I'm going to repeat that. He said, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21 says, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, I'm going to make this, point, uh, make this statement at this point to say God is not against us having possessions, but God is against us storing up possessions for ourselves at the, at, 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 at the expense of our relationship with him. Now, when we talk about storing up, now, if you cast your mind back to Genesis and the story of Joseph, if you remember there was going to be a famine in Egypt and God actually instructed him. Now, I'm not going to go into the details. There was a dream and he interpreted the dream, but God actually instructed him to store up grain. He said there will be seven years of abundance, seven years of abundance, store up grain, because there would also be seven years of famine. So God actually specifically gave that instruction to Joseph, and he followed that instruction. Now, 
this was obviously to make sure that, you know, when there was a time of famine, the people would still be able to eat. And that was what happened. Now, I'm going to read that verse 21 in the NLV, just to give us some clarity around it. It says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And I'll read that also in the Amplified Version, because there's another word there that rings, rings alarming bells to me. It says, so it is for the one who continues to store up and to hoard possessions for himself and is not rich in his relationship towards God. Now, I'm going to make a confession here and I don't mind I don't I don't mind being vulnerable, right? I went through so many years of my life where I stored up so much. I was a hoarder. I had two kettles, I had two blenders, I had extra sets of pots, extra knives, right? Until God began to deal with me. And the issue with things like that is we store up, but when we need it, we can't find it. And then we go out and we buy more. And this is not the best way to manage the resources that God has given to us. So, you see, um, God, the Bible says that he's given us all things to enjoy. But in him giving us all things to enjoy, hoarding is not part of it. He says to enjoy. To enjoy is to use it, to utilize it, and to be a blessing when we need to. Not for it to be stuck somewhere that we would not remember where we've put it. So there's a story of another man that I'm just going to, you know, sort of like just summarize for us. There's this gentleman who, well, I call him a gentleman. The Bible calls him a rich young ruler, right, who asked Jesus, he says, what can I do to have eternal life? Right? And Jesus said to him, oh, okay, I'll tell you, keep the commandments. And he says, okay, what commandments should I keep? And Jesus goes ahead and says, right, um, you know, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, love your neighbor. And he said, wow, great. I've done all that. If that's it, hey, where's my ticket? You know, where's my certificate to say, you know, I'm, I, I, I've received Christ. But Jesus said, hang on, just one more thing. You see, God knows the heart of each and every one of us. So Jesus says this to him. He says, no, there's just one more thing. He says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be spiritually mature, this is what you should do. Go and sell everything that you've got. Give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. Ouch. Now, when I read that the first time, I thought, why did he have to sell everything that he had? Why couldn't he just say, well, I've got extra TVs in the house. Let me give out the extra TV. I've got so many cars. Let me give out all the cars and just hold on to one, um, you know. But, you know, the Lord showed me something. And I'll share that with us. You see, 
if he had given his extras, whatever it is that he had, to somebody else, and he went visiting, you see, the way the mind works is he would sit there and watch that TV and say, mm, if it wasn't for me, that family wouldn't be able to watch that TV. If it wasn't for me, that family wouldn't have a car. So God says, sell them and take the money, not your money, take the money and go and give it to the poor. Now, a rich man will spend money on what he wants. A poor man will spend money on what he needs. So that money given to the poor, the poor person would use it to buy what they actually need and not what they want. Now, you know, Jesus goes on to talk about, you know, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because he holds on to his possessions. And let's just take that scripture from Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read from 22 to 24, just to give us, round up that bit for us. Matthew 19, 22 to 24. It says, but when the young man heard this, he left grieving and distressed because he owned much property and had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, it is difficult for a rich man who clings to his possessions and status as security to enter the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. It says, who clings? It's not a rich man in himself. There are so many rich men. There's so many people that God has blessed, but they give the glory to God. But a rich man that thinks that his hands have gained that wealth and has no regard for the one who has given him the power to have wealth. That is what the scripture is talking about. Verse 24 says, it says, and again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who places his faith and in, in, who places his faith in wealth and status to enter the kingdom of God. I encourage us where we, when there's, when you read a scripture and there's a little bit of ambiguity about it, please take another version so that you get a clearer understanding of what God's trying to tell us here. You see, I say this to say, anything that takes the place of God in your life is an idol. Anything that is higher, it could be your husband, it could be your wife, it could be your children, it could be, you know, your, your, your house, whatever it is that takes the place of the one that has given you breath is an idol. I can't say it any clearer than that. You know, there's a story of a lady in the scriptures who was a second wife. Now, the other wife had children. She didn't have any. And year on year, I mean, she was loved. Her husband loved her. 
But year on year, they went to what we call a retreat. The Bible says Shiloh, right? It's a place of retreat. And they went every single year right, as a family. But every time this other lady mocked her in the house, she was mocked to the point that she felt so worthless and she felt empty. It's almost like what was life without the joy of a child? Now, the Bible says this year they went to Shiloh, but she was in deep anguish. And during that period, it was a time to, you know, when you go for a retreat, it's a time to pour out your heart to God. It's a time to reconnect. It's a time to say, Lord, this is here where I am. This is what I'm facing. Lord, I need you more than ever before. A retreat is a place that you go to where you don't have to bother about work, no children around in terms of, you know, there's no disturbance. It's just you and God. It's you and your maker. And you can, you can, you can be vulnerable. You can be bitter. You can lay it all out there. And that was what happened with this lady. Her name's called Hannah. I'm sure we know who that is. The Bible says that, and I'll take it, I'll read it from 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'll just read from verse 9 to 11 in the Message Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. The Bible says, So Anna and Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together and slipped away quietly and entered into sanctuary, into the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary is a place of refuge. It's a secret place. It's a place of peace. It's a place where you connect. It's a place where you can put a sign on the door and say, do not disturb. The Bible says she went into a place, into a sanctuary. It says the prophet Eli was on duty at the entrance of the temple in the, in, in the customary seat. But it says, crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. It says, O oh Lord, O oh God of the angels' armies. It says, if you... If you take a look, a hard, long, a hard look at my pain, it says, if you quit neglecting me, you see, she felt neglected by God. If you quit neglecting me and go into action for me, here is a woman pleading her case. Says, Lord, I have nothing else. If you take a hard look at me, see what's going on. See how I'm being taunted day and night by this other woman. My friends have children. I have no one to call, no one to call me mom. I have no one to breastfeed. I need to experience what it means to be a mother. So much was her anguish that she made a vow unto the Lord. It says, by giving me a son, I'm asking somebody this morning, what is the anguish? What are you asking God for this morning? 
Are you asking him for a husband? Are you asking him for a wife, a job, a business? What is it you're asking God for this morning? Go into the sanctuary, the secret place of the Most High God. Set yourself apart. The Bible says, she said, by giving me a son, I'll give him completely, unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. You know, when I read that, I thought, wow, someone who hasn't got any at all vows to give that child unto God. What would have happened if she, did, if she changed her mind? We know that God gave her a son, gave her Samuel. But what would have happened if she changed her mind? But thank God she did not. You see, because Samuel became a seed that opened the door of God's blessings to her. And the Bible says that she went on to have more children. Praise God. You know, the Bible tells us that it is better for us not to make a vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. So when we're asking God for something in our anguish, let us make sure that we're not making a vow that we cannot come up with. You see, this was what happened to a couple in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, I'm not going to go into that, but it's in Acts chapter 5. They made a vow. They had a land. And maybe they were just wanting to do what the Joneses down the road were doing. Oh, I'm going to sell the land. I'm going to give the money to the church to propagate the gospel. But did they actually honor that vow? They probably sold the land for, what, a million? And brought maybe 50,000. And said, oh, this is the money for the land. The Bible tells us what happened to them. You know, it's important when we make a vow, whatever it is, if you can't fulfill the vow, don't make that vow. You know, there's a song that says, Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. It says, all of my ambitions, all of my hopes, all of my plans, I surrender these into your hands. Everything about us, we surrender into the hands of God. You know, our sister sang that song this morning. He said, this is my desire to honor you. Are you going to honor God with the resources he's given unto you? He says, with all my heart, I worship. If God's asking you to sell all you have and give to the poor, would you still honor God this morning? Would you worship God this morning? You see, one thing I know about God, and that is what happened with this young man, is because God knew his heart. God knows where we are. God will not leave us without a roof over our head. He will not leave us without food on our table. He will not leave us without clothes on our back. But whatever it is that God's asking you to do this morning with the resources that he has given to you, 
Would you be obedient? Would you honor him? Would you worship him with what he has given to you? You know, I'm going to give us some guidelines to being faithful with the resources that God has given us. And they're just guidelines. And those are things that over time has helped me and continues to help me to have a clear understanding of what God has given to me. The first point I want us to understand is that what God has given to us is not for us to squander. We are stewards of it. The Bible says he's given us all things to enjoy, not to misuse and not to abuse. Let's take a look at a scripture. Psalm 24 verse 1. Psalm 24 verse 1. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth. So the earth that yielded an abundance of crops for this young man is actually the Lord's. The earth in which your house is built upon, your car walks upon, the earth on which you walk upon every single day, the Bible tells us belongs to the Lord and everything that is in it. Not only that, it says the world and all its people, right? Are you a person? If you're a person, then the Bible says, you belong to God. And if you belong to God, everything you own belongs to God. Amen. So if everything you belongs to, you have and you own belongs to God, would it not do you wise to utilize it God's way so that you get the manifold blessings of God upon it? Let's also look at another pointer. It says genuine wealth comes from him alone. Now, I say genuine wealth because we know that there's a lot of wealth out there that is not genuine. We know that there's a lot of wealth out there that is not from God. But genuine wealth comes from God alone. And the Bible tells us that he gives us, he makes us rich. He, make, he makes rich and adds no sorrow. So if God's giving you wealth, if he's giving you resources, he will not add sorrow to it. That is not the God that we serve. We serve a faithful God. The Bible says he's the giver of every good and every perfect gift. Hallelujah. You know, Moses reminds the, the Israelites you know, about this same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 17 to 19. Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 19. Um, I'm going to, can I read from 15? Let me take it from 15 just to give us some meat around this. It says, and this is him reminding the Israelites. He says, he led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness that thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions. So you can see how dangerous the wilderness was. But God led the Israelites through it. He says, he brought you water out of a hard rock. Verse 16 says, he gave you manna 
to eat in the wilderness. So even in the midst of the wilderness, God fed them. There was food for them every single day. There was water for them. It says something that you are, something your ancestors had never known. He says to humble and to teach you so that in the end it will be well with you. You see, everything that God does, the end purpose of it is so that it will be well with you. The journey along the line might be rough. There might be bumps. There might be, you know, what we call, you know, ups and downs. There might be trials. There might be tribulations. But God's end goal is so that it will be well with you. God's plan for each and every one of us ultimately is that we come to a place that we can say, it is well with my soul. Amen. You see, verse 17 says, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And this is what the young rich ruler who God called a fool. This is what he basically said. My wealth. My hands have made this, have produced this. Verse 18 is where I'm going to. And that is where I need us to key into this morning. He says, but remember the Lord your God. Remember I would highlight that in my Bible if I were you. Remember, do not forget. Let it be engraved on your heart. When you look around you, don't forget the Lord your God. When you're building wealth, don't forget that it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You know, somebody once said, Oh, nobody wakes me up in the morning. Um, nobody wakes me up in the morning. You know, oh no. Somebody said, Oh, it's my alarm that wakes me up in the morning. And the response that person got was, put an alarm next to a dead person and see if the person would wake up. God gives us every single breath. As the song says, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Have your way in me. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability, the strength, the education, the knowledge, the connections to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. What covenant was that? The covenant that God made with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. That same covenant is what he's making with us today. Remember that God gave Abraham a son. That one son. And God said, take him. And go and sacrifice him. God wanted to see his heart. And thank God he passed the test. 
And that's why we can benefit from the manifold blessings of Abraham. We sing that song, Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm blessed in the morning. I'm blessed in the noontime. If Abraham had not been obedient, what would have happened? Praise God. Pointer three says, whatever seed you sow, it, you would reap likewise. Whatever seed you sow will reproduce likewise. You know, yesterday I, I had a young lad with me, you know, lovely, lovely young lad. He picked from my dining table an orange and a tangerine. Now he used them as, as footballs. But when you look at a tangerine and an orange, they look very similar. They're from the same family. But there is a reason why one is called an orange and the other is called a tangerine. Now, to complicate issues a bit further, one might be a satsuma or a tangerine or a clementine. Please don't ask me what the difference is. But they're very similar in shape, in color, in size, but they're different. And that's the reason why they're called different names. I say this to say, whatever seed a man sows, the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever seed a man sows, he would reap likewise. And we sow seeds every single day. Our words are seeds. Our prayers are seeds. Our finances are seeds. Anything we do every single day is a seed that we're sowing. What seed are you sowing? What seed are you sowing? Hallelujah. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest time will never end. We're talking about being faithful with the resources that God has given unto us. Point number four. It says, someone's next meal is in your bank account. And this is one that's so close to heart for me. Someone's next meal is in your bank account. The man that stores up wealth for himself, for himself. Maybe his next door neighbor hasn't even got a thrift square meal to eat. You know, there's a lady in the Bible by the name of Dockers. The Bible says Dockers spent her time caring for the poor. She sold clothes for the needy, for the widows, to the point that when she died, they had to raise her back to life. That was how important her ministry was. The Bible says of the Proverbs 31 woman, she says, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to those who are in need. Who are you extending your hands to this morning? Who is it that God's asking you to extend your hands to? And you're saying, oh, be blessed, my brother. Be blessed, my sister. Isaiah 58.10. Isaiah 
it encourages us. It says, reach out to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. It says, then and only then with your light, with your light will rise in the darkness. Then your light will arise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Do you want your light to shine in the darkness? The Bible talks about be a, a light on top of the hill. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you need to have an impact. We live in a world that is full of darkness. Spiritually, you, your night needs to shine as a child of God in whatever shape or form. Not everyone's called to, to, the, to a puppet ministry. There's a lady in the Bible by the name of Joanna. She was, she was, she, she, she actually, she, the Bible says that she gave, she financed the ministry. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, whoever it is God's called you to reach out to, do it and do it with all your might. Hallelujah. First John chapter nine. First John chapter nine. Oh, sorry, verse first John chapter three. Seventeen to eighteen. First John chapter three. Seventeen to eighteen. It says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but actions and in truth. Love gives. Practically. Not just with words. The Bible tells us about the woman, the, 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 one, the widow that gave a widow's might. They call it the widow's might. The Bible says she gave much more than everybody else. Why was that? Because she gave out of her lack. You know, if God was to ask us to give something out of all, you know, what we have, you know, sometimes you start to bind the devil. But God knows the heart of each and every one. The Bible says, he whoever oppresses, whoever oppresses the poor, insults his maker. The fifth point I'll take on that is, giving sets you up to receive from God. It opens the door. Hannah gave Samuel, and that was the seed that opened the door for her. Proverbs 21, 13. It says, whoever closes his ears to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be heard. That is a hard place to be in. So I trust that our ears are open to the cry of the poor this morning. Because the Bible says that we should give and it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down. Not only that, it will be shaken together. Shall men give unto our bosom? 
says the amount you give will determine what you get back. Are you a stingy giver? Or are you one that gives abundantly? You see, the world actually teaches that for you to be wealthy, you need to keep what you've got. But the world teaches that for you to have more, you need to give out. Because those are seeds that you're sowing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's joy in giving. You know, if we come to that realization that everything we have is from God, and at any point in time, God can ask us to give, to share what he's given unto us. If we come to that realization, we know that, you know, it's such a joy when God deems, it, deems us worthy to be able to share in the resources that he's given us. Bible says, he who has pity on the poor and lends to God. And how many of you know that, you know, if you put your money in the bank, the rate of interest is nothing. But if you put your, if you put your resources into the hands of someone that needs it, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, you will receive back much more than you've put in. The accountants call that the return on an investment. Where is your investment this morning? Where is your investment? You know, the Bible says God gives seed to the sower, not to the one that hoards, not the, to the one that stores up for himself, but to the sower. So are you going to be a sower of the resources that God has given you? I ask you this morning, have you experienced the blessings, the goodness, the mercy of God? If you have, then God is asking you to go and do likewise. Be a channel of blessing to somebody else. Let the blessings of God, let it flow. Someone says, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And as he gets it to you, you'll benefit from it. You see, no man's an island. We're a community. And everyone needs a helping hand at every, at, from time to time. God has blessed you to be a blessing unto others. So see yourself as an intermediary. Release whatever it is God's asking you to release so that he can multiply unto you. Let us carry on that legacy of our father Abraham. I can't finish today's message without sharing this scripture with us. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. Because it's a, it's a scripture that a lot of people tend to um, misunderstand first Timothy chapter six, verse 10. It says for the love of money is the root of all evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, 
from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The Bible says the love of money. God is not against us having money. God is not against us being wealthy, but the love of money. And I said this earlier on that anything that takes the place of God in our life is an idol. So I want us to get that clear. I want to make that clear that it is the love of money. It isn't having money. That is the root of all evil. You know, according to our apostle Paul, he says all wrongdoings can be traced in one way or another to the excessive attraction and attachment to material wealth. What are we attached to today? What is it that we cannot let go of for the gospel? You know, we're going to take communion today. And I encourage us that even as we take communion, we remember that if God was so attached to Jesus and did not let Jesus come to earth to intercede for us, none of us will be here today. Everything we have belongs to God, comes from God. God's resources in our hands should be a free-flowing river that benefits every single person on the riverbank. You are carriers of the manifold blessings of God. Be a channel. Be a blessing to somebody else. Let somebody else experience the blessings of God through you. Let that be a legacy that you leave behind. You know, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't know why the Lord's wanting me to say this. But, you know, um, I, my dad passed away when I was 13. And I was the first of five children. My mom, bless her, did an amazing, amazing job. But every point in my life, right, I never suffered not having a father figure. And I say this to say, there were people that God put in my life. And even up till now, I'm still experiencing the blessings of having a father. Might not be my biological father, but might as well be. But, you know, there were certain seeds that I believe my dad sowed. Now, the secondary school that I went to, Right, I found out after my dad had passed away that my dad was actually training 10 other students in that school. I didn't know this for a very long time. I'm saying this to say, what seeds are you sowing for the next generation? What seeds are you sowing? What legacy are you leaving for your children? The resources God has given you are not just for you to store up. They're for you to be a blessing to somebody else. You never know who that person will be that would help your children, your grandchildren. Let us do what we can to manage the resources that God has given to us. God's way. God bless you. 
Thanks for listening. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.